Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. are listening to more than a season podcast with Ashley and Brittany. Join us as we walk through what life is like supporting someone within the sports industry. Real authentic behind the scenes look at what the support system experiences, but no one discusses. Grab a drink, sit back and listen because we are about to get real. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Stop listening. Press pause. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, scroll down to the ratings and reviews. Select five stars and give us a review. And if you're on Spotify, click our podcast page and click follow and download to listen to all of our episodes. Thanks so much. Enjoy this episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back, everybody. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Hi. We are so excited to have a special guest here, and we are going to hand it on over and let her get started. Hi, I'm Jess Gallardi. I am married to Anthony Gallardi, and he is the head lacrosse coach at Stony Brook University on Long Island. We actually met in college. He was a senior playing, and I was a freshman watching. He started coaching right out of college. He started two jobs, actually. He was a paid assistant at Denison University and volunteered at The Ohio State University. He then spent three years as an assistant at Ohio State. Then we moved to the Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland, where he spent three years as an assistant. Then we moved north to Towson University, just north of Baltimore, Maryland, where he was an assistant for eight years, which was a blessing to be stable that long. And we just moved last year here to Long Island so that he could be a head coach. We have three kids. Luke is eight, Anna is seven, and our littlest turns four, Mia. I was a school social worker providing mental health to kids in the schools before we had kids, but then once we had kids, I started staying home. And it's been a wild ride ever since. I can't believe that you were moving around that much and then you had a stint for like eight years. That's so crazy. So what was it like to like move all around? Did you have the kids at this point when you guys were moving? During the eight years, I actually was blessed enough to have all three kids at this point. And moving every three years was basically what it started off as. So I was able to be grateful for the eight years there. But at first when we got there, I was reserved and hesitant. And you guys just talked about this in the last podcast to be present because what was the point? We were just going to pick up right as I started making this place my home. We typically then, that's when we moved. So for the first three or four years, I was hesitant and reserved and I didn't even really get out and go into the community because I was just waiting for the call. That's great that you said that because that is, I mean, it's great that you realized that over time because now, you know, being a seasoned veteran, (laughs) moving around a lot, you can spread that, you know, you do need to dive into your community and all those things. But I do want to know lacrosse, that is such a, 
in the South, like for Texas, where I grew up, that is so foreign and it's so new because it's up North, correct? Like that is where the sport is the most dominant. So did you have any previous knowledge? Like when you were watching him as a freshman, you're like, I know this game. I still don't know a lot, but (laughs) no, it is definitely Northeast sport, but it is spreading. I'm from Columbus, Ohio. So I was lucky enough that we had lacrosse. It's what the football players did in the spring to stay in shape. And typically my serious relationships in high school were with lacrosse boys. So I knew the sport. My older brother played. So I had knowledge and experience. And it was actually because I had friends from high school on the lacrosse team in that played in college. And that was how I met him. Again, I still don't know everything. I, I'm learning even 15, 17 years later. But I at least had an idea. I enjoyed it. And so I, I like supporting him. That's good that you at least had an idea. I feel like that is a long schedule too. And it's a lot going on. I feel like that would be so much to just like have be thrown into it. So being a mom, I want to talk about that piece because obviously we don't have children. So we love to get opinions of other women that have kids. And I want to know what the transition was like from going just you two into having children and kind of what that mom role looked like for you. It was a lot. I was lucky enough to have seven years before having kids to see and learn from the other coaches' wives that had kids. And I knew it wasn't easy. And I knew it was going to be a lot on me as the wife. And I also got to see examples of all kinds of styles. I got to see the head coach the head coach's wife be full stay at home. You know, I got to see what it was like if the head coach's wife was part-time working. And then I also got to see what it was like if she was full-time working. And so I was able to take into consideration my personality, my husband's personality, and realize what would be best for us was if I stayed home because we weren't going to be near family. And so the added stress of childcare, I've seen it really wear on, on the women. So I kind of had an idea going into it, but you can never be prepared. You know what I mean? We actually had just moved to Towson. I was six months pregnant. So three months after moving, I had my first. So not only was I new to the area, but I was also a new mom and I stopped working. So like all my, the pillars that made me who I thought I was had basically been shipped away all at once. So it was a learning experience. You just have to have grace. You know what I mean? You have to do what's best for you and not necessarily put on a show for anyone, whether it's your family, whether it's for the fans, whether it's for the other wives. Just know what's what's best for you. That is a lot of transition for you personally, um, and especially when his job is, you know, long hours and things like that, and then you're taking on this new role. I do want to ask if there was any, like, built-up, like, bitterness or resentment that you had to work through, because that is a lot to handle on your own. Yes, 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 there was. I spent the first couple years of being a mother really angry and resentful, angry at him, angry at his schedule, angry at myself, because like I said, I had seen what it was going to look like, and I didn't get out while I could. But I also had two kids under two. So it was even before my my oldest was one, I found that I was pregnant with the second one. So it was all this hormones and this this raging storm. And so it took me a couple years until I realized that I couldn't wait around for him. I couldn't wait around for other people to realize how hard it was for me and then reach out a hand, you know, like being a coach's wife, with kids is like this duality of being completely dependent upon someone else and someone else's dreams, your life, your schedule, your future. 
But in order to survive it, you have to be completely independent. So once it got to the point where I knew I had to do something about it, I started reaching out, finding things for myself. Like I said, that worked for me, that didn't get in the way of the responsibilities of taking care of the kids and didn't add more stress, but actually alleviated the stress. You know, working out from home, a church community, just finding other women I could relate to, whether it was coaches' wives or I've been lucky enough, we were at a military academy. And so I had friends who were military spouses, and that's like our life to the 10th degree of intensity. So I started reaching out to these people and growing basically my own community. And then if my husband could come around or, or could help or was involved, that was a bonus. And I also had to realize that no one else understood that. You know, it sounds bad. Like if he could come, great. If not, we were going to do whatever we had to do anyway. But coaches' wives understand that. So that really, that's what helped me. Yeah, I love that. The military wives, I'm like, I don't know how any of them do that. That is so crazy. You know, like you always look and you're like, gosh, okay, we have it. We have it okay because some people have it way right. worse. The military academy blessed me with perspective. Yeah. All sorts of so I guess what you were saying in the beginning, you were having like some bitterness and some resentment towards him. Obviously, like, you know, it's a new transition and, and all that. How did you guys make time for each other? Because I'm sure as a new mom, again, we don't have kids, but I know it's yeah. crazy. I, I have friends that are that are parents and we see, you know, the wives here. But as a new mom, I'm sure it's hard to like make time for just each other. So what did you guys do to really like build your relationship and kind of just make that time for just you two? When we started having kids, he had come to the point in his career where he wasn't having to hustle as hard. He had made a name for himself and our head coach knew he was going to do his work. So after the first year or two, he was able to start coming home at dinner time. So he'd come home right as I put dinner on the table, hang out, help put the kids to bed. And we were able to connect for a little bit before he had to go and finish the rest of his day. And he'd save like the recruiting calls, game plans, watching film. He'd save it for that. So we would spend time together that way. I know it's not maybe necessarily quality time, but it was just being in the presence of each other as well that really got us through that. But again, with little kids, and especially because we had two under two, you just had to take it where you could get it. And it could just be going to the grocery store or Mimi's here, so let's run to Target, like, we just found it whenever we could. We appreciated it when we had it, and we got through it. Yeah, it's basically what we have learned from interviewing wonderful women is that you grab the time when you can get it, and you make it worth the time that it is, so you just kind of soak it all up. But within the sports industry, the role of being a mom, I'm going back to the mom because I want to absorb all this information. <laughs> With that role, I, I feel like dad does not get to go to a lot of things. And so you, whether it's kids' birthday parties or, you know, activities or things at school. And um, I know that you have to kind of step up and do both. And so what is that like? It was a learning curve. As an adult, it was hard for me to always hear him say, I can't make it to this, or you have to go solo to that. So in my mind, I just kept being obsessed with this idea of, like, if I have a hard time dealing with it, I know my children will, too. So in the beginning, I really did step up almost too much. I became overly involved. I said yes to everything. I was on the PTA. I was the room mom. I was volunteering. We were making crafts and crazy stuff. You know, I put them in all kinds of activities as a distraction for them, a distraction for me, a distraction. So I was doing literally all the things and it was, I, I got stretched too thin. And again, I just had to learn. It was almost 
worse for them because now the only parent that they had present was tired, exhausted, grumpy, you know, so they'd rather have less activities and less involvement in the things that don't really matter now. And they're still young. I mean, it could get harder as they, they get into sports and stuff, but I learned to say yes to what was important and then be okay with them not having everything, which I feel like it'll build resilience, but also letting them be their own little people at the same time too. With that, how do you explain, we've had this question sent to us a couple of times, how do you explain dad is not going to be there? Because I feel like to a young kid, they understand that the job is a lot. And I know they see, oh, dad's doing this really cool job. It's games and all these things. So how how do you and your husband explain this is why dad can't be there? We kept them involved from the beginning. Like if they could go to you know, a game, a scrimmage, um, even if it's like a team meal, we take them and they see all that and they see the fun. So we just started explaining over time once they became old enough this is his job. So in order to be a part of it on good times, you also have to be supportive in the hard times when he's traveling. Again, they're still young, so their schedule hasn't really gotten in the way yet. So if he's away and it's streaming, you know, or it's on TV, we can put it on the TV and watch it together. Or we've been blessed to always have a great support in the area so we can get together with friends and watch it. We bring friends to the game. So we always keep them involved, but I keep the mentality of you can't only be there for the good times or it can't only be about the fun victories. It's also about the building along the way, the hard times, the travel, stuff like that. That's a great perspective. I feel like that's such a good lesson for them to learn too at young ages because that's just going to help them in life in general, you know? So that's awesome. I guess you just touched on the way schedule. I'm interested in, give us the rundown of lacrosse. Give us the rundown of the schedule because we don't know too much about it. Again, I think it's a lot more prominent. I had it in high school, but I don't really remember the schedule. So give us like their rundown of the schedule. Yeah, well, college lacrosse is quote unquote a spring sport. I say that because they start practicing for the season in January and it can go all the way through Memorial Day weekend if they make it to the NCAA tournament. So they're literally playing in all weathers. He's played in a blizzard. The only thing they can't play in is lightning because they have metal sticks. But it's usually a Saturday game, so they'll practice in January, start playing in February. Games are usually Saturdays during the day, but with the increase in popularity, there's some midweek and night games. And then it's kind of like basketball where you have conferences so you play games but then you play conference games and then you have a conference tournament and then if you're good you make the NCAA tournament and it's predominantly like I said an east coast sport but there are places out west there's places in Colorado I don't think there's a college in Texas yet but for men at least you have to travel further if you're not on the east coast like when we were at Ohio State there wasn't an away game that wasn't at least a six-hour drive when we were in Baltimore, it was fantastic because most of the away games were at most an hour away, maybe two hours, like if we had to go to Philadelphia or something like that. Here in Long Island, we'll see because we have to get out of one of the most congested areas in the country, in New York City, to go anywhere pretty much. But it's pretty split. You usually have six or seven home games, six or seven away games, depending on the way it falls. You know, you do every other year, home this year, away next year. And then they have 
like I said, the conference tournament, which could be one weekend and usually around Mother's Day, which has always been fun. And then the NCAA tournament, which can last a couple weeks. Wow. So it's like not a spring sport. (laughs) It's a lot longer than spring. I wanted to learn all about that just because I know that it's a difficult sport. I've watched it, but I just, I didn't really get to soak it in and appreciate what all the timing and all those things are. Since you are a coach's wife, like the players aspect, do you get to do things? This is pre-COVID. So do you get to do things to be involved with the team and the players really get to know you? Like, do you have your thing that you like to do with them? At the college level, it's a little different. I'm not making things or anything. I would always go to the tailways, kids or no kids, just to, to get to see the players and have the players be able to see me. Whenever there was functions like a banquet or anything like that, I was always there. When we were coming up as an assistant at Ohio State, the head coach would always have the different grades. So freshman one day at his house, he'd host, and then like next the next month he'd host sophomores. And we would always attend those just to get to know them more. And at the Naval Academy, it was kind of the same thing that the head coach did that. So that was always something I wanted to bring into the lifestyle once I became the head coach's wife. But again, COVID happened. But that's definitely something we plan on moving forward because it's great to develop that relationship with the players. For my husband, for them to see him as a man, as a father, and not just as someone yelling at them, you know. And then also to see me and know that I'm there too in case they need anything. Yeah, we always love that perspective too, because I think that a lot of the different head coaches' wives decide to take that kind of under their wing and they host at their house. I do think it's important for the kids too to see like their dad around all the players and kind of just be a normal a normal situation versus like on the field. <laughs> but I'm going to go back a little bit. So when you started out, you said that you had your own thing basically for a long time until you had kids. Was it really hard to transition from having something that you did full-time into being a mom full-time? Yeah, it was really hard. Night and day. I had my own life and then almost instantly I had nothing in terms of an identity where I had to start building it back up because I didn't know how to be a mom. I didn't know the area. And I didn't know how to not work. I had always worked. So it was basically a clean slate in terms of identity, but I got to build it back to who I wanted to be. I had never really taken the time to think, what do I care about? What means the most to me? I had always just gone along with what my family did and what my friends were doing. And so I say it now, I was gifted. It was extremely difficult, but I was gifted with a clean slate and time to look and evaluate and build it back up to what I want it to be. That's great that you say that. And you're honest, super candid answer because even for us or someone that is several years coming up to that transition to wanting to become a mother, I feel like there is um, this fear that, you know, you're going to lose yourself and that you're going to basically have to fight this bitterness. I think that that's wonderful that you have like formed your identity over time. And I do want to ask if you could tell your younger self something though, at the beginning of this journey, what would you share that maybe would have saved you a little bit of pain or heartache? The being present that you guys talked about in the other podcast is probably one of the hardest things I think coaches like to learn. But what I would tell my my younger self is that it'll all be worth it. You know, the hellos, the goodbyes, the hardships, the moving, the new places, the different schools, it all 
build you up into the person you were meant to be, a better person than you could have ever been had you not taken this path. Definitely not easy. It's hard, but you get stronger and then you become the person you were meant to be. So it, it's worth it. I love it. And is there any crazy story or something along your journey where you're like, I can't believe this happened? You do find yourself in these situations like I'm sitting at home and all of a sudden the ceiling explodes with water because the washing machine malfunctioned and it's just dripping through, but I can't call my husband. And so you just figure it out. You know, you put, you're put in these sometimes almost ridiculous like movie scene situations and you just got to laugh at it. And you figure it out on your own. And then you look back and you're like, I did it. You know, if I could do that, whatever gets thrown at me, I can do. When we moved here one year ago, we wanted a house that we knew was worth the wait, but wasn't ready for when we needed to move in. So we ended up living in a one-bedroom, unfurnished, unair-conditioned apartment for two weeks. So we were in a new place. My husband was gone working. We knew nobody. It still wasn't ready. So then we had to move into a hotel with five of us into a hotel for the first two weeks of my kids' brand new school year. My middle was a kindergartner. And so at the time, it was chaos. But looking back, I can laugh at it, one, which is, which is very important. But two, I can see that I did it. So if anything comes up, if we move again, like, I got this, you know? But I feel like that's what it is to be a coach's wife. I know. I think that every time you move, it's so funny. Or when you go through a transition, you're like, of course this is happening because (laughs) you learn something everywhere you go. Like I just, I feel like every place we've moved, we've bought an air mattress and you think that we would learn we have one, but we always end up packing it. So when you get to the place where you're going, you're like, okay, it's the annual purchase of the mattress. So I I want to know, though, when you were um, in that one spot for eight years, did you feel like time was just endless? Like you felt like you were there forever? Or did you constantly feel like, okay, we've been here two years. I know that it's coming. And like three years, you're like, all right, what's the joke? (laughs) It was the first three or four years. It was like, I was just waiting. Is this the year? Is this the time? And then I realized, you know, you have to, you know, like we always say, grow where you're planted. So I started getting out in the community and then I turned friends into family. I turned a house into a home. And so over the last four years, I really started seeing it as my forever home, which was the opposite end of the spectrum of mistakes that you can make as a coach's wife. And so it was the last four years were beautiful. Everything I've ever wanted but that last year, I could sense that we had been there, like you said, for too long. We were doing too good. We made it to the Final Four tournament in the NCAA tournament. They were number one in the country that year. So with every success, I could feel our time coming to an end. So while I was upset, yes, I took it as a enjoy every possible second. I went to all the away games that year that I could, no matter how far away they were, no matter how big of a stress it was. In that eight years period, I, I was able to make both mistakes, like I said, not growing and then growing too deeply, but it was definitely lessons learned. 
I feel like you just touched on a really good point because it's like so weird that we have to feel that way that, you know, eventually no matter how good it is, you're going to have to be rerouted and put somewhere else to be planted. So that's awesome perspective to have for that. But we thank you so much for talking with us. This was awesome. And we really got to get to know you and we loved hearing your mom perspective because again, we have no idea anything about that life. Yeah. And we just want to thank everyone for listening and we will see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this interview on More Than a Season podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at More Than a Season underscore Women's Guide for the latest updates. You can also follow our personal Instagram accounts at Ashley M. Kramer and Britt Labby. We would love it if you would download, subscribe, and leave us a review on your choice of platform. Thank you so much. See you next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.